Hi, this is Raymond Pan. Welcome to the IFLA CPDWL podcast project. In this space, we talk with library and information professionals who support and participate in professional development work. Today's returning guests are Orika Lang and Vera Kuen. This episode is a continuation from the previous one. Until June 2020, Orika Lang was head of the education and training department at the State and University Library Hamburg, Germany also responsible for health management, conflict management, diversity management, and addiction prevention. She's a member of the German Library Association, BIB, and gave several presentations at national and international conferences concerning continuing professional development. Ulrika Lang already served eight years at the Continuing Professional Development and Workplace Learning section as co-chair, was a four-year member of the Education and Training section of IFLA, and now return to CPDWL again as co-chair. She is a member of the coaching working group and served also as coach in the past year. At the 2019 satellite conference in Zagreb, she held a workshop, challenging presentation needed. Vera Kuen has been with the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada since 2010. First as head of the sciences and technology libraries and since 2014 as an associate university librarian. She previously held number of library and business positions at the National Research Council of Canada. Vera has been a member of the IFLA management and marketing section since 2016. She considers it a great honor to be working on the IFLA coaching initiative with such talented and dedicated committee members. Vera is a certified leadership coach, Gallup certified strengths coach, and a member of the International Coaching Federation. She offers one-on-one coaching to managers, leaders, and executives of all levels for leadership and performance development, and provides coaching training to organizations. Welcome back, Vera and Ulrika. Hello, Ray. Hi. Hi, Raymond. Thanks. So we're really excited to have you both back to talk about the process, the basics of coaching. And, and I will admit, currently right now, I am actually a coach at the New York Public Library as a volunteer supporting uh, users of New York Public Library who are interested in career development, resume help, planning, and so forth. And I, I initially had worked at New York Public Library oh, uh, maybe the past uh, seven, eight years ago. And so when the pandemic happened, they were offering all virtual services and, and I decided to volunteer. And I've been volunteering since May of 2020. And I've been having such a great opportunity meeting with all types of users who are looking for coaching help. And so I'm so excited for this episode because we can have a conversation on this, on the experiences that others are having and the basics and concepts of coaching. Now I'm curious here, uh, as our first question, why did you get involved in coaching? Did you have experiences from it before? Ulrika, why don't you start first? Yes, happy to do. Um, I was always uh, happy to be involved in lifelong learning. I think it's so important. And coaching is not only a learning for the coachee, but also for the coaches as well. And I had some experiences from my work at the State and University Library in Hamburg, where I was responsible for education and training of the staff. And in, in some um, reasons, I had to find coaches for those situations where it was appropriate. And to get input from outside is almost helpful. At our German Library Association, we had a mentoring program years ago, and I was involved as a mentor. The situation for mentorship is more of a learner and an advisor. 
And I was curious to learn more of coaching while it's a low threshold possibility if the coach and coachee are familiar with the basic rules. Wow, thanks for giving us your context here. How about you, Vera? Well, for me, I, I took a coach training program in early 2019 um, as a form of professional development for myself. Um, I was originally looking for another way to support my managers um, beyond the usual advice giving um, and problem solving. And it far exceeded my expectations, um, the, the training program that I, I took, and, and I was determined to learn all I could about coaching. Um, so since that time, I've, I've taken a number of other courses and um, I'm on my way towards becoming a certified uh, coach with the International Coaching Federation. Um, I'd been a member of the IFLA management and marketing section for a few years. And uh, last year, they were looking for a member to join the, the coaching initiative working group. Um, I eagerly volunteered as I, I thought this was an area where, it, you know, I could make a significant contribution to, to IFLA. Um, and I really wanted to spread the word about coaching and, and have more librarians be able to experience the benefits of coaching. Those are really great points there. And for our listeners, in our previous episode, we dived deeply into the resources of CPDWL and management marketing section on the training tools that are available. Please check that out. And so I, I, I do want to say that on LinkedIn, I do see people um, sharing their uh, certification of International Coaching Federation. So that's pretty exciting for you, Vera, to work on that. And so let's talk, let's talk about why coach training is important. And sort of from your perspective, Vera, would you like to start first? Sure. Um, so I think a lot of managers and leaders have, have coaching in their job description. It's usually, you know, within a sentence of, manage, mentor, and coach employees. Um, I know it's always been like that in, in mine whenever I've had uh, management positions. However, I think we assumed that every manager knew what coaching was. Um, and now that I'm a trained coach, I know that what I was doing before as a manager was not necessarily coaching in the truest sense. Um, and so coaching is a tool that managers can use when their employees surpass their need to be managed and mentored. Um, it's, it's the next level of development for your employees. Um, so coach training is important because in order for your employees to really benefit from it, it needs to be different from managing and mentoring. The coach needs to learn how to help the coaches solve their own problems or develop their own strategies. If the, you know, just do what I did strategy always worked, um, we wouldn't really need this ongoing management training and, and management books that we have um, uh, that teach us how to be great leaders. Um, so learning to coach has many benefits for the manager as well. While coaching employees may seem like it's a bit more time consuming at first, in the long run, uh, you help your, your, help your employees develop their own abilities to solve their own problems. And it really does take the pressure off managers to always have to have, you know, the right answer to every situation that comes up. So I, I like to describe myself as a, a recovering problem solver when I describe myself as a coach. <laughs> recovering problem solver. That's a good one. Uh, so, uh, Arika, tell us why coaching training is important. Yes, um, I think everybody has experiences in dealing with people at work or in their private environment. 
but it's a difference to give just an advice or a hint or offer help how to deal with the problems than to offer coaching. And it's important to have knowledge about the regulations of coaching and the kind of questions you as a coach have to ask. Otherwise, there's a big risk of dropping into mentoring. So I think the coach training series, which Vera offered on the CPDWL website, are necessary and very useful. Definitely. And so with that being said, if there are people who are interested in being a coach, tell us what every coach needs to know, Vera. Um, well, so in the, the coach training uh, recordings, I cover the important principles for coaching. Um, and these include creating a safe and trusting environment and, and developing a good relationship with the coachee. Coaching requires the coachee to discuss often some difficult situations and feelings. And without creating trust, um, they, they need to know that they won't be judged or that they're, and that they also their information will be kept confidential. Um, without that, it's really difficult to make any progress with, with coaching. Um, probably one of the most important principles, though, of coaching is that the coachee owns the agenda. And what I mean by that is the, the coachee decides what the goals are, um, what they want to accomplish in the coaching session, and the strategy they will use to, to solve their problems or reach their goals. So this is what makes coaching so different from managing and mentoring. In managing, the manager says, you need to do this, and it has to be done this way. In mentoring, the mentor says, what you need to do is this, and here's how I did it. Or they'll say, well, I did it this way, and it worked for me, so maybe you can try that as well. And finally, with coaching, we want to hold people capable. As coaches, we really need to believe that the coachee is capable of achieving their goals or solving their problems on their own. They have all the knowledge and wisdom to come up with a plan for success. If we just give advice, we're really robbing them of the opportunity to learn, grow, and develop. Those are really great points. And it's a form of self-empowerment, it sounds like, and, and trying to develop their own uh, capabilities, as you were saying, to be able to make the decisions and address the problems on their own, of course, with support, right, from the coach. And as I hear right. you, I'm, re right, I'm reflecting on my own experience where I, I give options. I don't tell them what they should be doing or not doing, but give suggestions and maybe some ideas, but also in a way that helps them because I, I, I'm not in regular contact with some of the coachee and they have to make those decisions at the end. And. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to say, right. It's, it's very important that, you know, it's, it's not a dependent relationship. It's, it's, you don't want to create a situation where the, um, the coachee always needs the coach forever to solve every problem. Um, it's, a, it's a really learning and a developmental um, opportunity for the coachee to, to learn how to tackle problems on their own at some point. Right. And so this pivots to our next question about the coachee. What can a coach expect during a coaching session? Orika, can you start first? Sure. Um, Vera almost said it before when she described the process of coaching. Mm. I think the, the coachee in our process can expect the full attention and the secrecy of the coach. There will be no judgment of the topic, but also a helpful process that will give them the possibility to solve their problems with the way that themselves that they have found and which suits them the best. 
And sometimes the coach and coachee might agree, agree to continue the relationship for a short period of time, not lifelong, like Vera said before. Right. Vera, anything else to add? Um, well, so dur- normally during a coaching session, the, the coach will ask um, the coachee, you know, what their goal or challenge is or what their big issue. Um, um, and then um, the coach will often ask you to describe what you'd like to accomplish during, during the coaching session. So, you know, the coaching sessions are usually only about an hour long. So we have to be realistic about what can be tackled in that one session. Um, so for example, with, with a big goal that may take a few months to complete, the session goal may be able, uh, maybe to determine first steps, identify resources, or identify the information that needs to be gathered to move forward. The coach will also ask you why it's important to you. This question is just as important as what the goal is. Unless the coach is clear on why this is important to them, the commitment to it may not be there. Also, it has to be important to them and not others. Too often, people are chasing goals and definitions of success that are not actually their own. Those are really important points there because as I am also listening, I'm thinking about my own experience when I meet with my coachee, right? And, and I ask them in the beginning, what would you like to accomplish in this 45-minute session, right? Like, they only have 45 minutes with me and we have to focus on the, on their agenda, right? Their needs. But then at the end, we circle back and say, well, what are their next steps after meeting with me? And they have to really think through and process that and what's important to them, right? As, as you're saying, what are their, their specific goals, right? And commitments after the session is done so that they're holding themselves accountable. And I, I think those are, um, good practices to keep in mind. And so with that being said, I know we talk about a lot of what, what we should know and what people should think about in terms of coaching, but what about misconceptions that people may have about coaching? Orika? At our first session in Kuala Lumpur, it was very obvious that the coaches, most of them expected mentoring. That means the coach will give you the perfect advice how to solve your problem because of her or his experience. So the, the, the coaches asked questions and mentors usually argue in an almost same situation like yours, I did this or that, but that might not be helpful for you as a coachee because of your situation might be different in another cultural context or for example. So the coaches will not get answers, but mostly questions. What about you, Vera? Oh, I totally agree with Elrika. Coaches are often surprised by um, all of the questions asked by by the coach. Um, You know, they don't understand why the coach will not just tell them what they need to do. Um, It's it's important for coaches to understand that they are the ones that have to do the hard work of coaching. Um, otherwise, you know, it, it can often lead to the coachee becoming frustrated and feel that the coach has failed them. Um, another misconception, at least in the business world, is that coaching is for managers who are not performing well. So in the past, coaching was often seen as a form of per, uh, performance management or a, a you know, last ditch attempt to improve a manager's performance and, and relationship skills. 
Um, but that's really not the case. Uh, coaching is is very much um, for th- those people who are actually really high performers already, um, and and they're looking to to get to that next level. They just might be stuck for some reason. Um, and finally, there's also some belief that coaching is is only for top executives. Um, there are so many types of coaching. Uh, available. And, and because the focus is on the individual, uh, coaching is highly customizable to the person and, and their situation. So coaching really is for everyone. Um, may I add here? Oh, yes, please. I think Vera is very right. It's not only for the top executives. Coaching might be very helpful in your personal development to change your way in business career. The right person who asks you, where do you want to be in five years and what do you need for this? What supports you and what hinders you? And you might start your own process of development right now. Those are really great points. I think when we think about that kind of work, it's often those misconceptions that hold people back, right? To whether get a coach or to be a coach. And so with that being said, what advice do you have for those who would like to be a coach? Ulrika, would you like to start first? Sure. You should be really interested in other people and have an affinity to dive deeper into work situations of others you are not familiar with. Check how much you like not to solve problems, but light problems via asking questions. Be open. Be able to follow the regulations of coaching and keep your own feelings apart. Be open to learn new techniques and change your own leadership. Then you would be a really good coach, I think. Vera? Um, yeah, I totally agree with what Elrike was, uh, has already mentioned. Um, those, are, those are great. Um, that's great advice for, for wanting to, to be a coach. I, I would just add also to um, learn to be comfortable with silence. Um, you know, coaches should not actually do a lot of talking uh, during the session. Um, I think they also have to be willing to take the coachee into some uncomfortable territory. Um, you know, problem solving tackles what's on the surface, um, you know, what's wrong and what needs to be done to change it. With coaching, we dig a little deeper. Um, why is this important to the coachee? What will be different uh, if this is solved? And also what's getting in the way. It's, it is more effective at getting the coachee to see new perspectives, develop more self-awareness, and discover options that they didn't know were available to them. And as Ulrika said, coaches really need to tame their problem-solving monster. Wow. Those are really great and advice from both of you and sharing your perspective on coaching, being a coach, being a coachee. And with that being said, um, for those listening, please be sure to check out the CPDWL website, the coaching resources that Vera and the MNM team and the CPDW team work together to put these free resources in many of the IFLA languages for you to take advantage of and to learn more about being a coach. And with that being said, thank you so much, Ulrika and Vera, for taking your time to talk with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be part of this podcast, Ray, and thank you for arranging it. Yes, thanks very much, Raymond. I really appreciate this, and and I'm so excited to see what the uh, coaching initiative working group is going to come up with this year. 